Hey, this is Brian Golden. I am the lead pastor of Centerpoint Church, and I just want to welcome you to our podcast and thank you for taking the time to listen. And I just want to let you know if you are in the greater Tampa Bay area, we would love to have you join us at one of our gatherings. And here's the thing about Centerpoint. Our vision is really simple. We want to be an alternative to church as usual for all people. And that just means we want this to be a safe place that welcomes everybody, doesn't matter what your background is or really where you're at on your faith journey. And so if you want any more information about our gatherings, go to our website at centerpointfl.org. And then most importantly, whether you're a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just in that place of investigating faith, I really hope today's message encourages you and really helps you to find life and freedom in Jesus. All right, wherever you're at, are you ready for Messy Middle Part 2? I can't hear you. I can hear one person in the building because there's like seven people in here. Um, But that just lets me know where you're at. So here's what we're talking about in this series. It's just this. If you find yourself in the middle of something, and we all do at certain points in time, I mean, pretty much the whole world has during this season, we're in the middle of the way things used to be and the way we want them to get back to. And in that middle, like we're just waiting. And in that middle, in a lot of cases, especially with what we've been walking through, you can't control it. You can't change it. You're just there. And here's the thing that we started to say last week about being in the middle of anything where you can't control it and you can't change it. It just gets messy a lot of times. In fact, that's the season a lot of times where you start to doubt, is God good? And if there is a good God, why would I be walking through this? Or if there is a good God, why would he allow suffering? And I'll just put this plug in. I don't always say this. If you missed last week, you should go back and watch that message because we tried to answer that whole question of how do we reconcile good God and painful things happening, good God and injustice happening. But in in the middle, like you're just tempted to doubt. It's in the middle when you're walking through something where you're out of control that a lot of times it's really easy to lose hope. It's in that season a lot of times where you lose contentment and some cases we get angry. In a lot of cases when we're in that season, we start to reach back into old habits, whether it's a drinking thing or it's a porn problem or it's whatever our escape is. Like you've Netflix binge like to the point it's a little bit out of control. Like it's just in the middle where all that stuff can kind of come to the surface that really does not benefit us. And so the question that really we're asking is this, just this. What do you do when you're in the middle of it? And it might be, in fact, you can insert your own word in there, but what do you do when you're in the middle of whatever your it is? Like, what do you do in that season? You got a marriage that's not where you want it to be and you're just stuck and you've done counseling and you're still doing counseling and it doesn't seem to be getting any better. You're single and you don't wanna be single and you don't have a lot of good options right now and you're just in the middle and you're asking God to change it. Maybe you're 15 and you can't wait to get out of the house, but you gotta wait a couple years and it's not good and you and your parents are not on good terms and you're just in the middle right now and you can't necessarily change it and you can't make it better. Or maybe it's an educational thing or a financial thing and you're not where you wanted to be. You're not where you wanted to be in life right now. Maybe a dream has died somewhere along the way. Your business is, is floundering as we're walking through this season right now, but you're just in the middle of where I was and where I wanna be and I can't change it. And it's in that place a lot of times that we are tempted to draw really bad conclusions. Like you start to walk through those kind of moments and those kind of circumstances and that's when you start going, you know what? I don't think I will ever be happy again. Like, I think it was good in high school, and I probably peaked, and it's been downhill from there, and I don't know if it's ever going to get better again. 
or you start to draw really bad conclusions about nothing good can ever come from this, you start to, and come on, you know what I'm talking about. Your mind starts to play tricks on you of, I, I, like, I, there's no point in continuing to try. I don't think the marriage is ever gonna work out. I don't know if it really matters if I do the right thing. I really don't think it matters if I decide not to do the unethical thing. Like, what's the point in even trying? What's the point in even remaining faithful? So the question is just this. What do you do when you are in the middle of it? And a lot of times it gets messy and you're tempted to draw some really, really bad conclusions that ultimately can lead you into some really, really bad places. And see, we're really tempted to do that with God, as I already said, like where you start to, you start to project whatever your circumstances are, or whatever you feel on God, that you know what, maybe I'm walking through this because God's just apathetic, like he doesn't care. Maybe I'm walking through this because God's angry, I'm getting payback for something and it's some kind of quid pro quo system. Maybe I'm walking through this and God is just, he's just absent in my circumstances, he's not involved, he doesn't care. What do you do when you are in the middle of it? Now, here's the thing that's really interesting we started to look at last week, is the whole issue specifically of of good God suffering, and we start to walk through something, and sometimes the first thing we do is like start to question God, or God, how could you, or God, are you even real? But that's relatively a new kind of tension that has mainly been faced in the West. It has not been faced historically and is not a tension in a lot of parts of the world. As we said last week, there's a lot of parts of the world where people are in circumstances we look at and go, how could you ever be happy? How could you ever be joyful? And yet in the midst of unbelievable suffering, they have unbelievable faith. And historically, that's true as well. Like, Here's the thing that you just need to consider, is that the people that brought us the story of Christianity, the people who brought us the movement of Jesus, All of them suffered in extraordinary ways and they never doubted the goodness of God. In fact, one of the best examples is the guy who was Saul, who became Paul, and he writes about two-thirds of the New Testament. And there's this one incident particularly that's really powerful, and Paul writes about it in a letter that he wrote to Rome. And he says, I had this basically painful, humiliating, and debilitating physical ailment. Could have been a mental ailment or mental illness, we don't really know. But it was bad, and it was affecting all of Paul's life. And it records in that letter to the Romans where Paul is crying out to God and like, God, you've got to do something about this. God, you've got to cure this. God, you've got to remove this. God, you've got to get me out of this because I'm in the middle and it's affecting all of my life and I can't change it. And so I'm asking you to do something about it. And in that prayer, God comes back and says, listen, Paul, I hear you and I love you. No. Like I get it and I understand and I empathize and I know it's difficult. I'm not going to change it. And yet what is so powerful and so insightful is that Paul never lost faith. Paul never doubted God's goodness, even though God didn't do what Paul wanted him to do. And in fact, in that circumstance, Paul begins to talk about in other letters that there is a way, even in circumstances like that and a bunch of other crazy stuff that I went through, Paul would say, there is a way to find contentment even in the middle of it. Not on the other side of it, not when you get through it, not when I got the answer to the prayer that I wanted because Paul never got a yes to that prayer. There is a way to find contentment even in that place. Now, here's the definition of contentment. It's what I wanna talk about for a few minutes. Contentment is basically this. It is when everything externally is hitting the fan. 
Like everything's out of control. Everything around me is a mess. Everything around me is uncertain. Everything around me is out of my control. Even when all of that is true, there is inner inner peace in me that I can walk through something where I don't understand it and I can't control it and I'm still good. I'm at peace. In fact, this is radical. I can even find joy in the midst of it, not because of what's happening, but in spite of what's happening. And Paul's like, it is possible in Christ There is a way to find contentment even when you have no control. There is a way to find contentment, not on the other side of, but right in the middle of whatever you're walking through and it's messy and it's difficult and there's unanswered questions, Paul would say, right there, right now, contentment is available to you. Now here's the thing, Paul's story is pretty crazy if you don't know it. So like Paul was... Uh, this guy that tried to stop Christianity, he was an um, incredibly driven guy, basically oversaw the death of Christians, and then he becomes a Christian. Like, and, and if you're a skeptic, you need to consider how in the world does that happen? He was highly educated, and somehow he does this complete 180. He wants to end the Jesus movement. Then he becomes the greatest church planner in all of history. And churches start to pop up all over the Mediterranean rim because of Paul's leadership. And Paul, through this time, begins to serve, begins to follow Jesus. And then about 10 years in, he's arrested. And not only was Paul arrested, Paul was arrested by Romans and put in house arrest under Rome under the rule of Emperor Nero. Now, I don't, you probably know this, you know enough history maybe to know this, but being a Christian in Rome under Nero, not a happy time. Like Nero would literally use Christians to light up his garden. Like you want to be nowhere near Rome and Nero if you're a follower of Jesus. And that's where Paul's at. He's in, in prison, in house arrest, under Rome, uh, or in Rome, under Nero. And, and there's no, nowhere to go. There's nothing he can do. He has no control over it. He can't get out. There, there's no appeal system. Like he's just there. Now here's the thing you need to know about Paul. Paul's like a three Enneagram He's a, some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. He's a type A Myers-Briggs, don't know, tracking with me. He's like, get it done, like accomplish it, highly educated, highly successful, highly driven, a man of extremes, like single-handedly almost ended Christianity and then single-handedly was part of really the resurgent of Christianity all over the Mediterranean rim. So this guy is not like a, well, I'm just gonna chill and let things happen. He's a get it done kind of guy. And there he is in prison, there's nothing he can do there's no recourse his ministry seemingly is ended and he's just stuck in the middle and this is crazy may may not be crazy to you but the only thing he can do is begin to write letters and so Paul just to give you a little bit of the backstory begins to write letters in prison with nothing else to do stuck no recourse no way out he begins to write letters and he had no idea that in that prison stuck in the middle where he didn't wanna be, that he would write letters that would become the most widely read and widely circulated literature in all of history. He had no idea. Like, I mean, think about it. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Philemon, like all of those were written while Paul was in prison in Rome under Nero. This was not like at the Hilton using the free Wi-Fi. Paul was in this place, circumstances are not good, and he's just like, this is the only thing I can do. And come on. Paul, as he's writing, has no idea that these letters literally are gonna change Western culture. 
They're gonna change how people think about God. What he writes in that squalor in Rome under Nero, eventually they're gonna change how Gentiles relate to God. And little did he know that those very letters written under the rule of Rome in Nero would ultimately be partly responsible for upending the Roman Empire. Listen, in fact, I would make the case that that Paul had more to do with shaping Western culture than anything or anybody until the printing press in 1405. And even then, the printing press was introduced and the first thing that they mass produced, if you can call it mass production, the first thing that they mass produced was the Bible and the writings of Paul while he was in prison in Rome under Nero. That is absolutely crazy. I don't know if you think it's crazy because I can't see any of you, but I'm just telling you that is mind blowing to me. I mean, think about all of the things that Paul wrote and how it's changed things. It was in that place in the middle in Rome where Paul wrote, hey, husbands, this is a paradigm shift for all culture. I want you to love your wives the way that Christ loved the church. I want you to give up your life for the sake of her. In that moment, come on, ladies, you should follow Jesus just for this reason alone. In this moment, Paul put women on equal plane with men and he completely changed what marriage was all about and gave them value in a culture that did not value women. And he wrote that in prison under Rome, under Nero, and it changed how we viewed women and marriage in all of Western culture. Like my my point in all of this is just this, Paul had no idea walking through that situation in the messy middle when it is not what he would have chosen. Paul had no idea what hung in the balance of his decision to remain faithful when everything said be faithless. Paul had no idea what hung in the balance of his decision to keep moving on and keep trusting God when all of his circumstances mitigated against it. Come on, what are the odds? What are the odds that those letters would survive the Roman Empire? What, is the, what are the odds that those letters would ultimately make it out of there and make it out of the first century and become the most widely read and circulated literature in all of history? Do you know what hung in the balance of Paul's decision to remain faithful in the midst of the messy middle? You did. I did. The church did everything that God has done for the last 2,000 years. And the reason that Paul accomplished what he did was because of the adversity, not in spite of the adversity. And you just need to wrap your mind around it because in the moment, it just looked like prison. Paul had no idea it was actually disguised as a move of God that would change the world. It may just look like a relationship that's not working out. You have no idea that you're on the cusp of God doing his greatest activity in your life. It may just look like a dead dream and disappointment and you have no idea that it's disguised destiny and God's doing something in the middle of this that you would have never experienced any other way and your decision to remain faithful or not will determine everything. And the reality is you have no idea what hangs in the balance. You have no idea who hangs in the balance of your decision to remain faithful when all of your circumstances and all that you feel wars against it, but it may be the epicenter of God's greatest work in your life. Like here's just something that that you should be aware of as you walk through circumstances that you don't understand, specifically if you're a follower of Jesus or ever become one. In the middle of those kind of circumstances, oftentimes God's gonna teach you something or God's gonna ask you to exemplify something that is contradictory to everything that you feel in order to grow your faith. And Paul's like, 
Listen, it's in that moment I had no idea, but I knew that God was up to something and I decided to remain faithful anyway. And I just wanna tell you that contentment is a decision and it is possible in any and every circumstance. Now, like, again, Paul is, so he, he starts this discussion and he writes one of those letters about this whole idea of contentment in Philippians. This is one of the letters in the prison under Rome. And then just real quick before I start, here's what is so ironic. The whole letter of Philippians, by the way, if you go read it for yourself, which would be amazing, it's all about freedom. And it's ironic because he's writing all about freedom while he's chained up. And in Philippians, he writes this and he starts this incredible discussion about contentment. He says this, I, are you still with me in your living room? in your, I don't know, wanna know what you're wearing, in your den, wherever you're watching on your computer, are you still with me? I, I rejoice greatly, meaning, real quick, Paul's like, I control what defines my thinking, not my circumstances. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last, by the way, I'm gonna say this 100 times, I'm in Rome, I'm under Nero, I'm in house arrest. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you've renewed your concern for me. And all Paul is writing here real quick is just the setup is he was in house arrest and he was waiting for some kind of help. Like send me some food, send me some beef jerky, give me a book to read. Like I need some kind of help. I got nothing here. Like, and so I'm just waiting till you guys send me a gift card, like do something, but it never came. And Paul's just waiting because travel and like, this is not Amazon, it's not coming the next day. Like Paul's just waiting and he's not getting any help, which by the way, is just a side note. Like, if this is not such an incredible like picture of our culture, like everybody was freaking out right after COVID started that they could not get their packages in 24 hours. Like, like literally, I think that's where the meme started of it must be the end of the world. Like I ordered something on Amazon. It's not gonna be here for 10 days. I think the Antichrist is next to come. Like we're freaking out about it. So here, here's Paul, there's no Amazon. He's waiting for something to arrive. It doesn't arrive. And so for a while, just by the way, Paul's sitting in prison and he's wondering, like, do these people even care about me? Which by the way, in the midst of a middle experience, a messy middle, you're waiting and it's not working out the way you want. A lot of times you are tempted to draw really bad conclusions, as I said, and to believe the worst about people, about circumstances and about God. And Paul knows in the silence when he's not getting what he thought and he's wondering about all the churches that he held, where are you at? Paul knows I have a choice in this moment. I can either resent or I can be content but I will have a choice over what I do and where my emotions go to. And so all that to say, the care package finally arrived. And Paul says that I'm glad you renewed your concern for me finally. And indeed you had been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. And then he uses the letter at this point to launch into this discussion about what it means to be content in circumstances, Paul would say like this. And he says in verse 11, I'm not saying this because I'm in need. Just pause real quick. Paul's like, yeah, I, I had needs. I did, I did want the prepaid phone card because this is, this is a minute ago. I, I, like, I did, want, I did want the magazine. I did, like, I, I, did, I did need some stuff. I wanted to know that you care, but you just need to know this. I'm good. Like, I, I know that I'm in prison in Rome under Nero, and I'm so glad that you care, but I, I was gonna be good either way. Like, I'm all right. Because, and Paul's gonna kind of set this up. Where I'm at right now, I prepared for because this isn't the first time that Paul had been in a situation like this, but in any and every one of those situations, Paul remained faithful and allowed God to do something in him and through him that kept setting him up for each circumstance that he would ultimately encounter. And Paul's like, listen, by the time I got here, I'm good. 
because I've already prepared. I've already seen God work. I've already been through some stuff and I was able to remain faithful and watch God work on my behalf. Like this is probably a dumb example, but this is the equivalent to me of like when you have to go to somebody's house and they're gonna prepare food or they're gonna cook a meal for you and you've never eaten their food before. And this may be, I'm, I'm taking a leap here because maybe nobody else has ever done this, but if I'm walking in that situation, with, which I have a few times, like I always pre-eat. Because you have, it is smart, because you have no idea what you're encountering, and it's no like, you know, nothing on them. They may be a great cook. It may be Joanna Gaines. I don't know. Problem is, I don't know, and so when I'm walking into that circumstance, I'm going to pre-eat, so by the time I get there, even if your food sucks, I'm good. Like, I already ate. I'm fine. I'm not going to be miserable, and I do it every single time. Like, if I'm coming in and I don't know how you cook, you just need to know I've pre-eaten before I got there to prepare myself for whatever is up ahead. You track it with me? So my point is, um, man, I hate it that I, I, I don't know where you're at. I have no idea if you're laughing at me. I, I, I have no idea where you're at. But my point is just this. Paul's like, I prepared before I ever walked into the circumstance. I've already allowed God to do something in me and for God to do something through me, and so I'm good. And then he says this, because I've learned. Meaning, this is really important, it's not natural. It's not intuitive. What I'm about to talk about is gonna take time. But I have learned, meaning there is a way for each and every person to learn how to do this, but few will do it. I have learned to be content, meaning internally self-sufficient in whatever the circumstances I'm facing. And right there, if you just pause for a second and look at Paul's life, if you know anything about it or just what I've said so far, like there's a part of it where you look at it and go, I want that. Like I want the kind of life where I walk through something as extreme as what Paul walked through and I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't choose it. Yes, I'm asking for God to take it away. Yes, this is not what I wanted for my life in this season, but I'm good. Like, I'm all right, and I'm not tempted to doubt God's faithfulness. I'm not tempted to be driven into anxiety and fear. I'm not tempted to reach into old habits. I'm good, and I'm absolutely confident God's with me, God's working, God's doing something in me and through me. And Paul, in this situation, is basically going, listen, my situation is ultimately not regulating my satisfaction because I've learned how to live free of my circumstances, and I've learned how to live free of what I feel. And come on, Paul's writing about freedom while he is in chains, but he seems a lot more free than a lot of us who are not in chains. And Paul's like, listen, there's a way to learn how to do this where your life will not be controlled by any circumstance. And come on, again, just to make this note, Paul's not advocating fatalism. Paul is not an apathetic guy. Paul's like not whatever. Paul is not a whatever guy. Paul is highly driven. He changed the world. But he's like, listen, I have no control over it. I can't change it. And I'm gonna find contentment in it. And I'm gonna trust that God's gonna do something through it. And then he says this, I think this is so important. I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty, meaning I've been in both extremes. In fact, isn't it true as we walk through life, a lot of times those extremes aren't, you go through one and then you go through the other. A lot of times it's, it's kind of dual seasons at one time. Like there's one part that's great and then there's a part of your life where it's just terrible. Like you got a lot of money, you don't have any time. Career trajectory is going great, relationship isn't. 
Like you, you know, things are going the way you want. In this area, you can't seem to get out of your own depression and anxiety where, where seemingly you walk through dual seasons where one part is great and one part is like, I wish I could change this. And Paul's like, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to be in plenty. And just let me, let me deal with that. I know what it is to be in need real quick because at this point, I think Paul's saying, listen, don't downplay the disappointment. Like, if you think Paul's sitting in a prison going, this is amazing, that's not where Paul's at. Paul's a realist. Like, I would not choose this. Don't downplay the disappointment, but here's the reality. It is possible to be disappointed and content at the same time. Because what Paul's saying in this moment is, I know what it is to be in need, but I didn't allow my disappointment when I was in need to define me. And I didn't allow my disappointment to define my decisions and de- define how I felt. And come on, that is the difference between hope in Christ and no hope at all. And Paul's going, there is a way to be disappointed and be content, but not allow your disappointment ultimately to define your destiny. There is a way to live free. And can I just say this real quick in love? Some of you are in a place right now where you stayed so long in your disappointment and this isn't what I wanted. This isn't what I would choose. I'm a victim. I can't believe why would God, and you've stayed there so long that it has begun to shape the trajectory of your life. And it's begun to shape the trajectory of who you are because as a man thinks in his heart, so he becomes. And the reality is this, for some of you, God's trying to bring you out of the middle of something that you're stuck in mentally and God wants to bring you out and free you, but you won't leave. And you've been there so long and you've identified with it so long that there you are and mentally you're wrapped up in everything that's happened and you're still wrapped up in the middle of a circumstance where God's already gone. I freed you of that. I wanna do something out of that, but you simply won't leave. And you are allowing your disappointment to shape your destiny. And Paul says, there is a way to be free of that. Even when you're in need, even when you're in plenty, he says, I know what it is to be in both places, end of verse 12. And I've learned the secret, this is so powerful. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether I'm well-fed, whether I'm hungry, whether I'm living with a lot, or whether there's a lot of things that I need. I've learned how it's possible. You're not born with it. There's not some special gift of faith. This is something that's available to every single one of us. Paul's like, it's possible. I've learned the secret of finding contentment no matter what I'm walking through. Here's what I love about this. This is so interesting. You ever get those people that they drop a word that you know is outside of their, I don't know how to say this, it's just outside of their normal vernacular. That's a nice way to say it. Like they just drop a word and like, that's a, is that like the word of the day that you had pop up on your phone? Like, cause that's not a word that you're using normally. But you know what I'm talking about? Like it just comes out of nowhere and you know that's kind of, it gets your attention type of thing. Well, Paul um, does a similar thing, except like what he uses, dude's super smart, but he uses a word that doesn't show up anywhere else right here when he talks about secret. It's a word that is outside of biblical or Christian literature entirely. And he actually reaches into first century culture and he grabs a word to make a point that doesn't show up anywhere else in the New Testament. In fact, anytime you see that in the original Greek, it gets your attention because when there is a word that's not used anywhere else, you know a point is trying to be made. And so Paul, with this word secret, uses a Greek word that literally was from culture and had to do with cultic mysticism. 
And it basically had to do with these initiation rites and cultic mysticism where they would be initiated into this group or this tribe. Like if you've ever uh, been in a sorority or fraternity or um, they would just call them Greeks if you're at a Christian school because it was really lame. But whatever it was like where you wanted to be a part of a group, they had some kind of initiation process. That's what it was like to be initiated into this cult of mysticism. And Paul uses the word and he says this. That there's, a, there's a secret to contentment that literally when you discover what God is inviting you into, you have been initiated into a cult of contentment. Now, some of you think Christianity is a cult anyway. That's not what I'm talking about. He's talking about, listen, there is a select group of people because this is available to everybody. But few people ever receive it. Few people ever walk in it, but I'm just telling you when, you, when you understand the secret, when you understand what God has done, when you understand this is available and you begin to walk in it, literally, you are initiated into this cult of contentment where you're just different and your life is different and it changes everything. And Paul's like, I've learned to be content, detached from all of my circumstances. How many people do you know like that? And when I'm walking through the circumstance, I'm not tempted to sell out. I'm not tempted to doubt God. I'm not tempted to self-preserve. I'm not tempted to start to confuse the supply with the source, which is God. And I'm able to realize that no matter what, Jesus is gonna be enough through this. And as you listen to Paul's words, you're like, Paul, how? Come on. Like, how did you get there? Again, looking at Paul's life, how do you live that kind of life where it's like, I'm shipwrecked, I'm bitten by a snake, I'm falsely accused, I'm beaten down, I'm ultimately put in prison, I'm shackled, I'm in Rome under Nero. How do you live free where you can walk through all that and Paul say like, I'm good, I'm all right, I'm gonna be fine, it's not what I would have chosen, but I'm good. Like, how do you get to that place? How do you get to a place like Paul? Where all of the leaders are like, hey, Paul, we're going to kill you. And Paul's like, it'd be better to be with the Lord. They're like, okay, we're going to leave you here and put you in prison. That's fine. We're going to write letters. They're going to change the West. Like, how, what do you do to that kind of guy? How do you get to that place where you are so content that you seem untouchable, that there is no circumstance that's going to throw you off the rails? It's just God is in this. God is faithful, and I'm able to be okay in any and every circumstance. Paul, how in the world do I get that? And Paul says this, and this has been the most misquoted, misused, taken out of context verse maybe in all the scripture. But Paul says in Philippians 4.13, here's the key. I can do everything. Oh, you mean sit in prison? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can do everything. You mean shipwrecked? No, I can do that too. You mean bitten by, yeah, I can handle that. You mean false, yeah, yeah, beat down. Mm -hmm, I can do all of that stuff. I can do everything. In any circumstance, in any middle, no matter what the mess is, I can do everything through him, Jesus, who gives me his strength. And at this moment, it's so hard to just describe, but Paul writes about it in other letters. Colossians, he writes about it brilliantly where he says there's this this mystery that the moment you place your faith and trust in Jesus, meaning you believe that Jesus lived a perfect life and he's God, and he died on the cross for all of your sin, even the crap you haven't gotten to yet. And then he walked out of a grave alive and you decide, I can't earn my way to God. 
I can't do anything to earn God's favor. There's nothing that I can do to make myself okay. And you instead trust what Jesus did, which he died, he rose, and he offers forgiveness in life. When you decide, Jesus, I'm trusting you, I'm gonna follow you, that there is this mystery that happens. And Paul writes about in other letters where he says, it is the mystery of Jesus, of Christ. It sounds so weird, so ethereal, I get it, but it's the mystery of Christ in you that literally when you begin to follow Jesus and when you ultimately kind of find the secret, when you understand what Paul's talking about, that as you're walking through anything, Christ gives you his strength. Christ gives you his endurance. Christ literally gives you his faith when you don't have any faith that Christ gives you his power, that literally it's a person, and in some weird way, that person's strength and life and endurance, it inhabits you. And the incredible, sad thing about it is that so many people live their entire Christian journey and they have all of that available to them, but they never tap into it. But Paul says, it is possible. You can't do it on your own. You can't make it through on your own, but I'm just telling you, I can and you can do anything and walk through anything and maintain faith in anything through his strength working in you. Jesus strength, Jesus endurance, Jesus faith, Jesus power. The person of Jesus can walk you through anything as he flows his strength, his love, his grace, his patience through you. It is possible and it's the mystery of Christ in you. Now, the thing that like just drives me crazy, man, has been so ripped out of context, which Christians love to do. Not try to be too cynical, but like, I, I pretty much hate all Christian coffee mugs and t-shirts. And I know I'm gonna get feedback for that, but I, because most of it is just ridiculous. Like we, we take out of context versus like Habakkuk 1.5. I've literally seen this on teachers. I'm doing a great work in your days that you would not believe if I told you. Problem is several verses later, the context says I'm gonna kill everybody. Like that's not the verse that you wanna slap on a Christian t-shirt. Like keep reading to the end of the chapter. And in this verse, I kind of sound angry right now, but I'm not, I just, it's just a pet peeve. But in this verse, like this is what we love to slap on coffee mugs to read in the morning or put on banners as football teams, you know, run through the back and do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's not what Paul's talking about. This isn't about winning. In the context that Paul writes this, this is about surviving. This isn't the Cougars running through the banner to win the football game at junior high varsity football. This is, I don't know if my marriage is gonna make it and I don't have the endurance to keep walking through this anymore. This is, I'm with every fiber in me, God, I'm tempted to doubt you and doubt your faithfulness. And because of the, the stuff maybe that I was told a long time ago that's given me this skewed view of you and has called me to hang on to promises that you didn't even make as I'm walking through this, I'm so tempted to give up faith, but I don't want to, but I'm barely clinging, I'm barely hanging on. I don't know if I can make it through this season. I don't know if I can continue to walk faithfully and not reach back into those old habits or old, old ways of thinking. I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I can survive. I don't know if I can make it through this. And this is the context where Paul's going, you can do everything through Jesus' life working through you. I'm not talking about all the trend lines up and to the right. I'm not talking about the business deal and winning the football game. I'm talking about surviving, walking through it, maintaining faith and God doing what he wants to do in you and through you. And you can't do it on your own. 
but you can do it through Jesus' strength working in you and through you. And if you rip that verse out of context, which has been done most of the time, and I say that with humility, you miss the point and you miss the secret of contentment. I can walk through anything unwavering with strength, with joy. It's flying out of control, but I have peace. And here's my summary of that. God, I can. The starting place for receiving everything that God wants to give you in the scriptures is to humble yourself. I overquote this verse, but it's a linchpin verse in all the scriptures. It's written in Peter where he says, humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty powerful hand and in due time when he's ready, when he's got things set up the way he wants, he will lift you up. And in some cases, with what we're talking about, he'll lift you out. But it all starts with humility. In fact, let me just give you something with handles that I didn't even have in my notes, but I think this is so key. That you gotta come to the place to, you gotta release before you can receive. And for some of you, you're still walking with disappointment and you're still walking with these dying dreams and what you thought was gonna happen or what you think God should do. and maybe some bitterness that has come as a result and some, some, some shame that maybe you've picked up because of bad decisions you made as a result of what you've been walking through. And, and you gotta come to a place where you humble yourself, which means you release it to go, God, you don't owe me anything. And this circumstance is not what I expected, but I'm gonna release it. And, and what they did is not what I expected, but I'm gonna release them. And then I'm gonna receive, because I'm telling you, God cannot place in your hand what he wants to put in your hand till you release what you're already hanging on to because it's an act of dependence to go, God, I want what you want and I'm gonna trust you. And so it starts with releasing what is in my hand so I can receive what you wanna put in my hand and in my life and what you wanna do through this season. And so the starting declaration is humility to say in every middle circumstance, God, I can't. I release and I wanna receive what only you can give me. I can't, you can. And you can, not simply because I have faith in faith or I believe a verse on a page. I can and I believe that you can because you went to a cross willingly and you died for my sin and then you walked out of a grave alive. So I already know you can. I can't, you can. And I believe that you can through me. And I think it just starts there. It starts with you're single and you're tired of being single. And unsingle is even more complicated. And there's not really any good options in this season. And you don't know if you can continue to remain faithful and wait on God and you need to throw up your hands to go, God, I can't. That's all right. You can't, God can, and God can through you. You're in a circumstance right now where you're pregnant And it is, in your mind, the end of your dreams. And it is not what you planned. And you're not sure how you're gonna make it through this. And there's just these these cries of your heart to go, God, I, I can't, you can't. He can, and he can through you. 
You're in a place where God's called you to something and you are remaining hiding behind excuses and fear and insecurity. And I just don't know if I can take that step. And you need to come to your place, maybe to physically bow your knee to go, God, I know you've called me to this, but I can't do this. And it's in that moment that God begins to work to go, I know you can't. I didn't call you based on what you could do. I called you based on what I could do through you. So I understand you can, I can, and I will through you if you humble yourself before me and recognize you can't do anything without me. You're driving home and your relationship is just really bad right now. And this season hasn't really helped it. It's only exaggerated what was bad and it's got worse. And you drive in and the garage door goes up and you dread what you're going to find. And there's like three versions of them right now. And you don't know what kind of version you're going to get. And you're just done. And you don't know if you can continue to be faithful. And you're at the place to go, it's just not working and I can't keep walking through this. You can't. He can. And he can through you. You're faced with a diagnosis right now and there's no cure, there's just treatment. And you're struggling. And you don't have the ability to walk through this and remain faithful. God can through you. And then some of you, man, you've lost a business. You've lost a job. You've lost every sense of normal and there's no guarantee that any normal is coming back for you. And you're tempted to reach for unethical decisions. You're tempted to do some stupid things. You're tempted to begin to consider things you never considered in another season and you feel all of the pressure and you cannot stand up under that pressure and you just need to cry out to your heavenly father, I can't do this. But you can. And you can through me. It is the mystery of Christ in you. And if you were to go to Paul to go, Paul, I don't quite understand. I think Paul would go, I don't quite understand it either. But I'm just telling you, it is a mystery that creates a reality. If you begin to lean into it, you need to release whatever you're holding on to in order to receive what God wants to do in you. And so I just wanna encourage you to pray this prayer. And the thing is, I can't do this for you. I can't even explain this well. I just know it's true. And I just know I've experienced it. But what if for the next week, let's just take a week. Let's not get crazy. Every morning, if you just prayed this with whatever it is, whatever you're walking through right now, whatever that it experience is, if you just got up every morning and prayed this, God, I can't, you can. What if you just reminded yourself, maybe on physically, if you're able on your knees, fill in the blank, whatever it is you're walking through. You just got up every morning for a little while and you just declared that, God, I can't. Because I'm just telling you, humility invites the activity of God in your life. I can't, you can. And then what if every night you just prayed this prayer? God, teach me the mystery of Christ in me. What does it mean to allow Christ's power, Christ's strength, Christ's endurance, Christ's faith to flow through? What does that even look like? But I'm humbling myself. I'm declaring I need you. I'm declaring I can't do it. And so would you just teach me that? Would you just teach me the mystery of Christ in me? In fact, I would summarize it this way, just for, just for a week, just do this. God, teach me the secret of contentment. Christ in me, empowering me. For some of us, man, we just have been trying to walk through so much stuff on our own. And we have no ability to accomplish it on our own. And it's no wonder that we are overridden with anxiety and depression and fear and debilitation. And he's going, would you just release that? 
And would you get ready to receive what I wanna do in your life? And would you recognize you cannot do anything on your own? So God, teach me how to be content. Teach me the secret of Christ in me, empowering me. And I just wanna end with this and we'll be done. Think about the thing in your life, the thing, the thing about you, the thing about your circumstance. Think about the thing in your life that is most prone to stir discontentment in your life. What is it? For a lot of you, something pops to your mind immediately. What is the thing in your life that stirs the most discontentment? And I just wanna say this over you. That thing, not because of just my own experience, but of the authority of the scripture, that thing is the epicenter of God's greatest potential to do his greatest work in your life. In fact, that is the uncomfortable story of the scripture that God has done his greatest work in individual lives and in countries and nations and in the world in the midst of the messy middle. Like it's, it's David on the run, fleeing from Saul. It's Paul in prison. It's Mary dealing with an illegitimate pregnancy and a breakup that she cannot explain. It's Jesus being falsely accused and condemned. The place where you are most tempted to be discontent is the epicenter of God's greatest potential to do God's greatest work. And I'm just gonna end with this. You have no idea. You have no idea what and who hangs in the balance of your decision to remain faithful in the middle when everything is telling you to be faithless. Paul would say, There's a way to find contentment and not allow your disappointment to define your destiny and allow God to do something in you and through you that has the power to change the trajectory of your life and change other people around you. And it is the mystery of Christ in you, empowering you. Would you just pray with me wherever you're at right now? Jesus, Paul can write that way better than I can explain it. But the weight of my confidence right now is not on my ability to explain anything, but in your ability to interpret and the Holy Spirit to connect it to individual lives and circumstances all over the world right now. And so I'm just leaning into you to do what only you can do. And so I know this connects in a thousand different ways. I know that some of this is much easier for me to talk about than it is to actually do. But I pray if nothing else, I pray that there would be hundreds of people right now that would believe, even if they have not experienced it yet, that this is possible. And that God, we just embrace the reality that there's a lot of us in our generation that are being weighted down and defined by and living in the midst of circumstances and all of the implications of those circumstances with anxiety and fear and guilt and shame and being overwhelmed that you've already freed us from. You've already given us Christ in us. You've already given us the power of the spirit of God and we are walking through life without ever tapping into this unbelievable mystery and power that Jesus made available to us the moment he walked out of a grave alive. And so I just pray for some of us, we would stop, we would start to rethink what is normal. That some of the emotions that are controlling us, some of the things that we just think are, they're just the result of 
something we can't control and it's the natural response to things not working out the way that we want. And, and God, we would begin to come out of thinking that you've already freed us from and realize there is a different way. There is a better way. We can live free of our circumstances no matter what we're walking through. And I just pray over these next even few days that for some of us, you would literally God, you would just change our perspective. Figuratively, you would begin to open up our eyes and that we would begin to discover what it means to not live in our own power and our own strength, but we'd begin to learn to live with this mystery and the secret every day of Christ in us, empowering us. And so God, whatever it is right now that is at the forefront of our mind, our prayer is just this, we can't, but you can and we really do believe that you can through us. And wherever you're at right now, if you've made a decision, I just wanna encourage you, would you just text 94,000, text CC Decide, whether it was a decision to follow Jesus, or maybe a decision just to begin to reconnect with Jesus in a way that you haven't for a while, or, or just, uh, hey, I need some help, text CC decide to 94,000. If you're not in a group right now, if you're not walking in community with other people, no matter where you are around the country, we'd love to get you into a group. Just text CC group to 94,000, wherever you are, but we wanna help you take a next step. Jesus, I pray that you would connect this truth wherever we are right now. And I pray more than anything else, the thing that would dominate our thinking in our mind as we walk away or as we turn this off would be Jesus and what Jesus is offering in this moment. And it is available to us. And we pray this in his incredible name, amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this message or have been impacted by Centerpoint Church in any way, would you consider helping us out in one of two ways? First, if you would just spread the word, share this message with your friends, family. Maybe you could go rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast catcher, but this helps us so much more than you know. And secondly, this ministry is supported by people like you through their financial generosity. And so if you've been impacted by any of these messages, would you consider giving to support the mission and vision of Centerpoint to see people reach with the radical grace of Jesus? You can give today on our website at centerpointfl.org. And again, that's centerpointfl.org.